We're continuing a series called Break the Rules. So in case you missed it, Brian and I tag-teamed the last uh, two weeks. And it was kind of podcast style. It was kind of fun. And uh, we talked about the rules. The first week we talked about the rules that God gives us in the Bible, right? And um, how they're good rules. They're good things to live by. And then last week we talked about how Jesus came and he broke the man-made rules that had been created, these fences that had been created around the rules of God. Um, he broke those rules, and he, but he fulfilled the rules that God gave. And so today, uh, you know, we've talked about, we told you the rules, we've talked about breaking the rules. Today we're going to talk about making rules. And, and the thing about rules is that they keep us in line, right? They create routine. They help us to stay the course. I actually really love rules because I'm firstborn. Anyone else? Yeah, firstborn? Mm -hmm. You love rules because that's how, that's how life is, right? And uh, I find it really hard in my faith journey to know which rules to follow, which ones to not follow, which ones are really only for the context of the time, which ones actually are for us now. And Ultimately, making rules is a very human way of knowing how to have a relationship with God, right? When I started uh, serving on staff here at Lake Point about, it'll be seven years in, in November, I attended a conference early on where the speaker said something to the effect of, in ministry, if you are comfortable and your job is easy, that's a red flag. And what I will tell you is there are things in my job that are easy, right? It is easy to get snacks for the classrooms, and it's easy to set up a registration form for an event, and it's easy to set up the doc computers, right? And so there are things that are very, very easy in my job. But that's not what he was saying. He was saying if all those tasks become the routine that you follow and continue to make happen, and that's what you call ministry, that's a red flag that the Holy Spirit is not moving through your ministry, and I think it's really easy for me to understand that in terms of my job here. Um, it makes sense to me, but I, can't, I have the hardest time applying it to my personal life. So that's, that's what we're going we're gonna to attempt today, okay? And side note, I had um, most of this message written earlier this week, and I scrapped almost the entire thing Friday morning. <laughs> so if you got Brian's message email on Thursday saying that we were going to talk about Sabbath and you were so excited for 32 minutes of Sabbath talk... Um, make a coffee date with me because I only touch on it today. Um, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, those are your words, and that's not what I want you to say today. So uh, we, took it a, we took it a little different, different um, route. So uh, anyway, as we stop long enough to think about how to live life as a believer, how to live on mission, be a disciple who makes disciples, right? Jesus living in us, working in us, and working with us as we go out, we need to really think about who we are building a relationship with. That's first. Taking time to create rules that are going to draw us closer to Jesus and give ourselves the permission to change those rules as the Holy Spirit works through us. Just like that speaker in my, you know, early in my job, they said, if you get comfortable, that's a red flag. Holy Spirit's not moving. You're not letting him do his job and move through you. Got to get a little uncomfortable. Here's the thing, if you're like me, the idea of God moving and working in your life through the Holy Spirit is really unnerving because I do not like change. I really like control. And uh, so this idea of surrendering enough of myself to just trust God is really, really, really scary. 
but here's what I want to tell you. Uh, God goes before you. He goes before you. And I want to bring you to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30. It says, uh, let's see, where is it? The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all along the way you traveled until you reached this place. So he prepares you. He goes before you. He gets you ready before you're even there. He's going to test out the waters so that he knows what you're going through and he can help you through it. A couple of years ago, my parents sold uh, my childhood home and they bought land up near Crivets, which is about an hour north of Green Bay. And I'm sorry, I have allergies, and my, I'm hoping my voice sticks with me. So <laughs> here we go. Um, but they're, they're nearly done uh, building their home, and uh, it's this beautiful land in the north woods, and on the back of the land, there's a stream. And it moves pretty fast, and there's a couple spots where there's some really cool falls. And there's one particular place where there's an island in the middle of all these falls, and there's a little one-by-six board that serves as the bridge to get to that island, right? And the thing is, in the winter, that board freezes over. In the summer, it's always wet because the falls splash on it. So every time we go down, I have to test it first, make sure it didn't rot out, make sure it's not weak. It is wood after all, right? And if my kids were to fall because it broke, they'd be seriously injured, they'd be sucked down by that current. It is, it's that fast. Uh, so I do, I, I step out, I, I kind of test it out, I hold onto the trees, right? Make sure it's still sturdy. I walk across myself first, and then I let my kids do it, and they know exactly where to hold, and they hold my hand as they walk across, right? And that's exactly what the passage is saying. He's going before you. He's going to fight for you to prepare a way for you. And the things that you're learning now are not just for now. Maybe the word that you've been given, the passage you've been given, the things that are kind of drawing you in when you read your Bible or when you are seeing things, even on social media, in messages, wherever you're seeing them, those are things that he is leaving for you now so that later you have the skill and experience to walk through it again, to lean in again, to remember how to walk across the bridge while still holding his hand. Like, I don't let my kids walk across without holding my hand, right? It still needs to be that way. And the more in tune you are to the ways that God is working in your life now, the more uh, that you're able to recognize those things as you encounter them later. So what, where does that bring us with Jesus? Jesus was super attuned to what God was, was doing in his life, right? He knew his purpose. He knew his calling. He is God. Uh, but it was very evident in Scripture. He constantly predicted his death. He knew what was coming. He was very attuned. And I think often we think of Jesus as this God-man who did everything in his own power, right? But just like us, he had to tune into God, and he had to be led by the Holy Spirit, and in order to be attuned to those things, in order to be really led by the Holy Spirit, we have to break some rules. But we also need to create some rules, some rhythms that break the routine of what we're doing and allow us to get a little uncomfortable so that he can move in us. So the goal today is to take a, a look at Jesus' life and, and help you to create three rhythms uh, for us to, to really start to put into practice uh, things that allow us to be led by the Holy Spirit uh, as we draw closer to Jesus. 
So number one, the first thing is Sabbath. Here's your little bit of Sabbath talk, okay? Um, We're going to turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Let me find it real quick. I didn't bookmark it. Hang on. Um, And it says, oh my gosh, you guys. You're so patient. Okay. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So, so the Sabbath is a good rule that was meant to be broken, um, at least in the way that man had made it, uh, right? Because at that time, they were, they were following it for more of the formality of it. They were making it a rule because they read the, the Torah very literally, right? And, and to their credit, Exodus 16.29, Moses is describing to the Israelites the terms of Sabbath in relation to the amount of manna they should gather. And he says, understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he will give you two days worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And I imagine that could be read really literally, right, as a day where you do nothing. But the problem is it's become a rule. It's become a formality, and it's blocking what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Later in Mark chapter 3, just a couple verses away, we experience another jab at at Jesus when he's healing on the Sabbath. And again, Jesus isn't doing anything wrong. He was feeding the people, and now he's healing them. And going back to 2.27, Mark 2.27, it says, Son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't made for Jesus to rest. It was made for man to rest. It's amazing to me how uh, we all feel like this is the busiest generation, right? And it probably is because we have so much noise. But even way back when, way back then, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, God knew. God knew we were going to need Sabbath. He knew we were going to need rest. Our bodies need rest. And he went before us and he told us to create space. Because he knew we would need it for this busy generation. Sabbath should be used as a chance to tune in to the Holy Spirit's voice. And yes, Sabbath should be used to rest. Did you know that um, sleeping is actually one of the most spiritual things you can do? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You need sleep. Your bodies need sleep. Mamas, you need sleep, right? (sighs) Remember when your parents... When you, parents, this one, I'm talking to you, parents, remember when your babies were little and they would go through this, or maybe you're still in this stage where they'd go through this thing and they, they wouldn't sleep and they wouldn't sleep. They were sick or their routine was, a, you know, in shambles or whatever, and they wouldn't sleep. And then they hit that awful magical point where now they've gone from tired to overtired and they can't sleep because now they're way too tired, right? They need sleep. And we need sleep. And why do we think as adults that we don't need it? Why do we run ourselves ragged and skip or short ourselves of sleep? 
all the self-help, all the secular self-help books, all the productivity books, every book that you find that talks about making yourself healthier and better and more productive talks about sleep. This is such a crucial thing that our bodies were made to need. So you should be physically resting. You should also be mentally, emotionally resting, right? Doing things you love, spending time with people you love. Or don't, that's fine too. <laughs> if you're like me, I do a little bit with the people I love and I do a little bit by myself because that refuels me as well. But figure out what that is. Once a week, you take a day. It's uncomfortable. It requires a little bit of preparation. Who goes on a vacation without packing your bags and setting your thermostat and making sure your dog is covered and making sure you have plane tickets, right? We don't do that. Why do we think that we're going to go into this Sabbath without preparing a little bit? Do the dishes the night before. Make sure your work is done at work, just like when you leave for vacation. Treat it the same way. A common hurdle I hear um, in being able to Sabbath is you don't feel like you have the freedom to do it. People need you. Tasks need you. And here's the reality. They really don't. Not as much as you think. And, and let me tell you a secret. When you get into a rhythm of observing Sabbath, you, you improve your productivity in six days because you're not as exhausted and strung out, right? You also teach healthy rhythms. I loved that Robin Joanne put that in, in Raylan's child dedication. I was like, yes, you knew my sermon before you even heard it. It's awesome, right? They, you're teaching healthy rhythms to people around you. You would not believe my Sabbath is Friday night through Saturday night. And I'm not perfect, guys. I don't do it every week, but that's, that's the ideal. Um, but you would not believe how much my kids look forward to Saturday because it's a day that we get to sleep in. It's a day that we get to binge on TV if that's what we need. We get to go on walks. We get to have a big breakfast and stay in our jammies. And my kids love it. We spend the whole day doing whatever we need. If once a week feels out of reach, you need to change the routine. You're stuck in a routine. And if you're discouraged that you don't see the Holy Spirit moving or you can't hear his voice, you need to create that time and space for him to speak and move in your life. Sabbath will draw you closer to your creator, the one who goes before you and continues to carry you. It's not meant to stress you out. And again, if you want to talk more about Sabbath, I am all for coffee and Sabbath, so uh, email me. I would love to do that with you. Number two, prayer. How many times have we read that Jesus went off and prayed, right? He wasn't just doing this to get away from the crowds and have quiet time. He was doing this to be filled back up with a purpose and a strength. Think of it like this cup, right? There's this man who's filled with knowledge and time and experience and resources as well as the Holy Spirit. And he poured out and he poured out. The Bible says that one lady just touched his clothing and he felt power leave him. He was constantly pouring out. And then he would go back to God. He'd pray, he'd gain strength, and he'd continue on. Who's heard or said the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? You've heard this phrase? It's true, and it's a very secular phrase. I think it's become just kind of something we throw around. Uh, but we need to fill our cup to continue to pour out. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Exercise won't fill this cup. Quiet time won't fill this cup. Self-care won't fill this cup. 
all great things, all crucial things for healthy body, mind, everything. But only one thing can fill this cup. And it's not a thing, it's a person, right? We need to go back to Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 37 says, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. This is crucial. Prayer is crucial, and not just at dinner, not just talking at Jesus, not for everyone else. Do you know how many times I ask people how I can pray for them? And I'm not saying this is wrong, so don't, don't hear the shame in it. Um, but they say, can you pray for my mother's sister's brother's dog's cousin? And I'm like, but what about you? How can I pray for you? But it's uncomfortable, so we don't like to go there. And that's when the Holy Spirit's going to move. There's no magical number to prayer. There's no, it's not a point of having it all together or looking more spiritual to us, right? We're not supposed to be so more spiritual with prayer. <laughs> and uh, the problem is you have to go back because if you get too empty, you start siphoning water off of people that are spo you're supposed to give water to. You start siphoning water off of your kids and your spouse and your employees and your employer and your friends, and you're supposed to be giving them water. You're the most vulnerable when you're thirsty. Create a rhythm of time away, maybe not every day, maybe multiple times a day, but a time when you can go back to the source. And it requires a change in the routine. Change it up. Change up the routine, change the rhythm. Last one, community. I grew up thinking you needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, which means me and God and no one else. Yeah, sure, my friend over here also had their personal relationship with Jesus, right? We didn't talk about it, but we knew it was a common ground. And, uh, but that's not what the Bible says. Jesus had his 12 disciples with a couple being his closest friends, and sure, he withdrew. He, it's important to withdraw and have time alone. But the Bible says in Hebrews 3.13, Encourage each other daily, while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Daily. Daily. That means our mission here at Lake Point of everyday life and everyday relationship does not mean right here, right now, and that's it. That doesn't mean the 60-second minute mingle. It doesn't mean your missional community. It means all of that and every single day you go out and you encourage each other daily. But what does that look like in today's world? We're all hustling. We're all isolated. We're all doing our own thing, right? What does that look like? Uh, for me, you're all going to laugh at me, but it's an app called Marco Polo. I told you you were going to laugh at me. Um, it's video messaging. It allows me to leave a message for a friend. They can check it whenever they want. I can watch their messages whenever it works for me. And oftentimes, we'll be talking at the same time. You can see when someone's talking to you right then. Uh, but this has been crucial for me to be able to talk to my best friend every single day, multiple times a day. It's been crucial for me to stay in touch with people that are out of town, um, you know, out of state. It has just been so good for me to live it day in, day out with someone 
and share all of the different things. For you, maybe it's text messages. Or maybe just maybe we start to be the people that say, hey, we all got to go grocery shopping. Let's go grocery shopping together. Right? Grab your girlfriend. Say, hey, Thursday, I'm going grocery shopping. Want to come with? We can chat and grocery shop at the same time. Or maybe your kids are going to level up in collision. And instead of going back home, you decide you're going to hang out in the parent lounge and encourage each other. Or one day after service, you say, hey, want to come over for lunch? My house is a mess. I was just going to grab pizza, but want to come over? Why don't we let people into the mess? Why do we not allow people into our brokenness? Why do we have so much pride? Pride keeps us from Jesus, and it keeps us from encouraging others and being encouraged by others. I've told this story on um, mine and Brian's pod- podcast, but it's a good one, so I'm going to share it today, too. Um, we started in a new sh- uh, missional community a couple years ago. It was quite a few years ago now. I was a young mom. I had a two-year-old and a four-month-old. So all you mamas with young babies right now, <laughs> I see you. Um, and we went to this house of this, this couple who had it all together. They were just the power couple. They were the sweetest. They encouraged people so well. And I walked in, and rolled up on their living room floor is a diaper. <laughs> and all of you sitting there going, oh, that's so gross. I saw it as the young mom. I was like, yes, this is where I need to be because you're allowing me into your mess. And you're allowing me to be messy next to you because that's something I would do, right? You change the diaper and then you have to run after the toddler. But I see, I saw a mom who was just rushing around trying to get dinner on the table and trying to change the baby before people came over. And she'd be so embarrassed if she knew that was my first impression of her home. But I love, I love that. I love that. She invited me into her mess. It's in, it feels impossible. It feels uncomfortable. But it needs to be a shift in our routine, right? This routine of having it all together. That's when the Holy Spirit's going to move and work. We're fighting a war, you guys. We need people around us that are going to have our back. They're going to pray alongside us. That are going to speak truth into us. They're going to remind us of what God's doing in us. How do you walk through hard seasons of life without your people? How do you do that? You need people who are going to be in the trenches with you, who know you inside and out, who can remind you what God's doing in your life. If the Holy Spirit's going to move in us, we need to skip the pride. We need to skip the have-it-all-together mentality and just shake up the routine of life to allow people to walk, walk alongside us in the mess. Now, my goal today was not to add more guilt or shame or, or more to-dos to your list. My goal is to tell you that the Holy Spirit doesn't work if you're comfortable. That's a red flag, guys. If your faith and what you're doing in your friendships, everything is comfortable and it's easy, that's a red flag. Holy Spirit wants to work through you. You need to break some of our rules that we've created for ourselves, create rhythms that are going to allow him to move and to draw us closer to Jesus. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
and rest assured that God, God has gone before us. He knows what's coming. He's preparing you. But if you're not tuned into what he's doing, you're going to miss it. You're going to continue to feel burnt out and unsettled and boxed into your faith. Now here's where the reality sets in. I'm not perfect. I'm saying all these things to you, and I hate, I hate when I sit in those chairs and the pastor is preaching all these things to me, and I'm like, okay, great, that sounds awesome. <laughs> you have your life all together. I'm not perfect. I'm actually in a season where I'm, I'm in that place. I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. I'm running up fumes. And I think this was more for me today than anyone else. I really do. I think God asked me to scrap the message on Friday, not because any one of you needed it, but it was because I needed it. So if this is you today, too, let's do this together. Let's walk through this together. Let's encourage each other while it's still called today. And let me pray for you. Jesus, we want to be a people who draw close to you. We want to be a people who love you and love each other. It's hard. It feels impossible. It feels uncomfortable. But Lord, meet us where we're at. Holy Spirit, work in us as we're still trying to figure out what that means. Help us to establish rhythms that draw us closer to you, not further from. Help us to break the routine of being comfortable so that we can, we can meet you. At the end of the day, that's the most important. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.